This is a podcast by the journal Methods in Ecology and Evolution. In August 2013, we attended Intercol in London, and one of our associate editors, Barbara Anderson from Landcare Research in New Zealand, interviewed a number of delegates and asked them, what method has transformed your field the most during your career? Mathematical theory. So I in, uh, created a theory called the Unified Neutral Theory of Biodiversity and Biogeography, and it has transformed my field. There's a whole growth industry uh, in that subject, and uh, it has really forced ecology to think about uh, alternative hypotheses than the one they're comfortable with. And that's, uh, So it, it made the field uncomfortable, but that's fine. GIS, both positively and negatively. So GIS, because it lets you do lots of things at many spatial scales and therefore opens up lots of new analyses and produces lots of new data sets. So that's the positive side. The negative side is I think people have just got lazy about laying layers on top of each other and forgetting to think about processes. The mixed effect model. So the ability to account for nesting, spatial autocorrelation, temporal autocorrelation, the possibility to... to go much further down into raw data rather than having to aggregate them and leverage them? It would have to be these modelling approaches um, just because of the way in which we're able to include so many different um, factors into our analyses at such large scales and over the long term. So being able to embed the distribution data of species alongside climatic data and habitat data and to ask some really fantastic macroecology questions has really transformed things for me. In my field, I'm going back to radio telemetry. It would be radio tracking, it would, but that would just the more basic sort of um, ability to track movements of animals with um, telemetry. I would say stable isotopes. Stable isotopes are naturally occurring forms of carbon and uh, nitrogen, and with that you can assess the structure of food webs, so you can see actually what the trophic level is of a predator, if it's eating primary producers, if it's high in the food web, low in the food web. So just by assessing the ratio of carbon 13 to 12 and nitrogen 15 to 14, you can actually infer where the carbon and the energy comes from in a food web and actually yeah, what the overall structure is of food webs, and that's a very powerful method. Oh, maybe, again, yeah, computer simulations of climate change. Yeah, yeah, got a better understanding of what's of how the climate's changing and the drivers have changed. Computers. We can handle and analyze data sets like we never could before. When I started my career, I did statistical analyses with a piece of paper and a pencil. I summed numbers, I summed their squares, I did all that by hand, and you couldn't analyze and understand data then the way we can now. Oh, I think it, it, it has to be computing facilities, if, if we can use that as a method, talk of that as a method. But our, yes, our ability to analyse large data sets, I guess. Well, I suppose, uh, if I think phylogenetically, then um, it could be methods of phylogenetic inference broadly, so that we have some confidence in our trees, or it could be my own PD method which for phylogenetic diversity, which has spawned a whole range of not only applications but a little sub-discipline of creating new indices. So in terms of my own interest, I think uh, I come back to phylogenetics as being the stuff that really uh, excites me.
well, I think that some of the DNA techniques um, don't use it very much, but, but it ha- has in some of the work we did on, on the fir trees or some, some of the, indeed, the, uh, the grassland experiments, it has had potential to, to have a very big effect. As I say, I, we, we don't use it directly that, that much, but, but it, that, that's the one thing that has had, is, is completely different. I would say satellite imagery. Well, I think it, if you look at ecology texts of 50 years ago, there was no mathematics in sequencing, that you can actually find out something about uh, Raquelstrom microorganisms which are completely un- unstudiable by normal traditional means. Well, I think it's, it's a sort of generality. It's sort of portable electronic equipment in general. Now it's possible to do things in the field that you never ever could in the days of my youth. You know, portable photosynthesis measuring machines, etc. All sorts of things. Everything from measuring the physical environment and plants' performance in the environment. You could not measure in the field when I was young. Oh, genomics, without any question. I think in, in hydrodynamical modelling, which is not really ecology, then that was uh, the, uh, the models from the 60s and early 70s that make possible the biogeochemical models that sit on top of the agronomical models I use now. Well, just using R to do everything, really. Having an open source, wonderful, flexible programming language that is just lovely and freely available and relatively easy to use and has a great community of people willing to... It's not really a method, it's a tool. Uh, Genetic methods, PCR and the like. So it has to be the availability of computers. So I actually got my first ever pocket calculator for my 20th first birthday and it cost 70 pounds and I typed up the reference list of my PhD thesis on the first ever word processor in Oxford, the first one in the whole of Oxford and that was when word processors were totally separate from computers. It was a proper computer-like thing but the only thing it did was word processing. Uh, Satellite uh, tracking. Well, satellite tracking and its variants, but being able to being able to follow individuals, being able to follow the migration routes of individuals is mind-boggling. Just astonishingly exciting. It's really hard to pinpoint because there's been so many dual progresses, like the statistical advances, the technological advances, the genetic advances. How can you pinpoint one single one? Cool sensors you can put in the field to record stuff well first the, the statistics using R and specifically using mixfx models generalized linear models <laughs> well all species distribution models are based on this principle the method existed already and that was the method of marking individual animals with in my case birds with leg rings which identified uh, animals as individuals so you could follow their life histories what they did how long they lived, where they went, and so on. Uh, And without that, we would not have much information on the life histories of individual animals. We still wouldn't know how long they lived, where they went, or anything. So that method has had the biggest impact in my particular field. I guess it's just, again, molecular methods. For us, it's been really useful. And when I was a student, they were unavailable people were just starting to discuss them but as they became available and cheap we adopted them in the lab and it's opened up so many new questions we could ask and I mean them in the broad sense of 
microsatellite genotyping all the way to just cheap sequencing. Parallel computing. I think it's it's actually development in statistical tools and the capacity of computers to run much more complex sort of mixed modeling approaches. That's the thing that's had the biggest approach so the studies can get more complex and more ambitious because the statistics are possible. Population projection matrices, so Leslie matrices and Lefkowitz matrices for age and stage structured populations. Every, everything is a structured population on some level and ways of incorporating that structure into predictions are crucial. Multivariate mixed models. It's got to be computers and computational power, probably for statistical methods, I guess. So just advanced statistical methods going from numerical maximum likelihood estimation or, or Bayesian analysis. I think that's probably had the biggest influence. Metabolomic analysis, being able to identify loads of chemicals at once. Well, it's going back quite a while, but it made a huge difference, and that was um, bringing in from physics the standard techniques for stability analysis in population dynamics that came with Bob May and others and transformed the field in the 1970s. You can um, take a population model, and instead of just running it through on a calculator or a computer to see what it does, you find out the full stability properties just by analysing the equations. I think the, the avail availability of GPS technology of one form or another attached to individual animals or just out in the field to be able to log positions of plants, everything. Well, I wouldn't call it transform, but um, I think what has become most useful is GIS techniques that give me a lot of information on uh, the landscape quality in a relatively short time. That's a very difficult one. Uh, there's a few... I'll go, I'll go along with um, network analyses, actually. Basically, understanding the uh, community level, the interactions between species, be they hosts and parasitoids, or plants and pollinators, plants and herbivores, that sort of thing. So that's a good analytical tool. I don't know if it would be a method, but it would be rapid computing technologies, good statistical packages, and good mathematical analytical software. Well, I would say focusing on traits and the move from analysing species richness as the dominant axis of variation in biodiversity to looking at trait variation. Just simply the ability to find information, the ability to just get on a computer and find things instantly, journal articles or whatever, it's huge. And maybe we only take it for granted now. Perhaps remote sensing, very fine scale environmental information which goes back to my, my point about wanting to know something about distributions of organisms from space you know, not just uh, plant types or something like that but actual, if we could tag individual organisms then we could match those because we're kind of limited by the uh, availability of the biotic data now rather than just the abiotic data that we can get from satellites Well, I think probably various forms of fingerprinting so you can actually identify species or identify even individuals and, and so on. That's what I'd say. So recent genetic technologies. And they're going to, and they're going to have an even bigger effect in the future. Well, I, I think it must be the, must be the computing uh, capacities that have uh, evolved uh, during my, my, my research career. When I went to... I did my 
my PhD or DPhil in Oxford, and uh, when I went there, I still used uh, punch cards to store the data, and uh, I used punch cards to to write uh, little programs to to uh, analyze the data, uh, which I, I I thought at that time was uh, you know fantastic opportunity to do quantitative uh, analysis and do uh, little simulation models. Uh, if you now compare the the computing capacities that we all have in our pocket calculators or on our mobile phones, uh, this would be like uh, I don't know how many hundred times uh, greater than um, what it was in the mid 70s. So 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 this uh, evolving uh, technology around um, um, computing um, facilities, you know, that uh, must be the must be the greatest uh, achievement in terms of, uh, of methods. I would say flow cytometry. I guess it's R. Uh, it's just the ability to share so much uh, useful code and functions and to be able to repeatedly implement analyses. It's transformational for modelling and statistical analysis. My specific field is probably the development of metapopulation dynamic theory. It's probably been the extent to which we can attribute the effects of climate change directly to anthropogenic influences on climate, which really gives us a sort of a raison d'etre as ecologists, I think. One of them is advances in molecular biology in, t- in terms of understanding pathogens much better, and the other one's in statistical and mathematical modelling, which has completely changed the field. Probably computationally intensive ways of fitting light here methods. So whether whether MCMC or like numerical likelihood-based methods. I think it's still happening. Like I think so I'm very interested in how to combine socioeconomic and qualitative data with environmental data. And so that I think it's it's happening at the moment. And I'm not quite quite there yet. Well, the really the thing that happened during my life that really changed everything was the realization of climate change. It's not really a method; it's a discovery. But um, but I guess remote sensing enabled that. Yeah. So I guess the the techniques that enable climate change to be detected. I, I think well, not actually a method. I guess would be would be. A, our statistical software, which is not the method itself, but the, the development of packages and specialist packages that are promoted and explained, and using those and being able to access those is probably the biggest change, allowing that analysis of large data sets and all the different types of analysis that we do. It's got to be the mixed model. Yeah, the mixed effects model. But the, the one that's going to transform my current field is occupancy modelling. Because it separates out the probability of detection from the probability of being observed. Again, as a modeller, it's not exactly a method, but I'd have to nominate R, I guess. Well, I suspect it's probably word processing. I suppose GIS and remote sensing. Multimodal inference through model rankings. Uh, you can Any information theoretical or Bayesian information theoretical... Uh, approach to ranking models. It's probably probably general linear models. It's, it's utterly trivial, but I mean, it's just the computerization of everything, isn't it? I mean, that's that's what's that's what's transformed things. That you actually your method of saving and sorting information 
is done on a computer. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest change. Molecular phylogenetics. Um, it probably the independent contrast methods that I mentioned earlier. I think molecular methods. Next generation sequencing. I think, I mean, it's, it's the combination of older methods, stochastic theory, uh, deterministic dynamics, and computer technology. Just a combination of those has, has allowed us to expand the range of questions we can ask. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Methods in Ecology and Evolution. Have a look at the Methods blog to find out who gave the answers and look out for other podcasts from Barb about the oldest methods still being used, the newest methods currently being used and potentially useful methods that have not yet been invented.